Good morning, beautiful people. I'm Jamie Filer, personal trainer and self-development coach. Welcome to your Monday morning mindset shift, where I'm gonna teach you how to take what you're thinking and make it better. The glass is always half full, my friends. Today's shift is this. Happiness is not a fish that you can catch. Shows my age a little bit. Anyway, this is an album that came out uh, by a band called Our Lady Peace in 1999. And my friends and I were absolutely obsessed with it. I, and I always loved the title um, because the album itself is about trying to find something in a superficial world that isn't superficial, right? Happiness is not superficial and, and catching a fish or I don't know, whatever else brings you joy. Like what is the source of happiness? And The lyrics on the album are mostly written in the first person because happiness is obviously something that comes from within. Happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue. So a lot of people, a lot of our friends, a lot of uh, colleagues, a lot of family members are going to feel some type of way around this time of year right? As the days get a little bit shorter, I have a separate sermon coming next week about that. Um, You know, days get shorter, it gets dark earlier, it gets cold faster. All right. We have to find our own happiness, especially in this quarter of the year. So um, it's time to think about what happiness means to you. And of course, how to go about creating your own version of that. So what brings you joy? What makes you happy? Start to think about it, right? This is another reason why at the beginning of these calls and at the beginning of your uh, spreadsheet, I always ask for a win because again, you know, there are seven days in a week. There are 24 hours in the day. There's gotta be something that brought a smile to your face or that made you pat yourself on the back over the course of all of those days and all of those hours. So the question is, What was it? What is it? And of course, how can we replicate it going into this coming week? Happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, or worn. It is the spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. I love this quote because, again, it speaks to the inward, intrinsic, self-fulfilling nature of happiness. So it begs the question, how can we make ourselves happy? Right now I go ad nauseum, you know, talking about journaling, meditation, reflection, exercise, looking within, but I wanted this presentation to be a little bit more physiological and a little less psychological. So the physiology of happiness, uh, begins with the happy hormones. Okay. E-D-S-O. I'm going to use the words hormones, neurochemicals, and neurotransmitters interchangeably. Either way, E-D-S-O are all chemical messengers in our body that tell us when we're experiencing pleasure. So the first one is endorphins. What are endorphins? Endorphins are chemicals produced by the body to relieve stress and pain. It is actually a hormone designed to mask physical pain, but also produce a sense of euphoria. For example, the runner's high, right? Like 
Why do runners experiencing a high? Because running is fucking miserable. Oh my God. All of that pounding rep after rep after rep, right? If you're a a 140 pound woman, right? That's 140 pounds of impact every single step. The body is not designed for that. So instead it's created a mechanism so that you don't have to feel the pain of 140 pounds of impact times five miles, 13 miles, 26 miles, if you're truly insane, right? So again, I'm not a, clearly I'm not a runner. So, so I don't understand the runner's high, right? But again, like it's not about for me to understand or not. The caveman produced endorphins because it needed to hunt and gather, right? So it may, the caveman may have been running for 26.2 miles in order to, to hunt for its family, right? The body puts itself in a chilled out, pain-free Zen state of mind to get through a marathon. Okay. So why do we need endorphins though? Because we have them even though we can easily access food and even though our food is easily microwavable, right? We don't, we no longer need to preserve ourselves the same way our caveman ancestors did, but we still experience pain. We still experience physiological pain. We still experience emotional pain, spiritual pain, right? Our bodies don't want us to be afraid Our minds don't want us to experience that pain, right? Endorphins delay the hurt, right? We need, we need to get high without a substance like drugs or alcohol. So that is why we need endorphins because our bodies are trying to protect us. So the question is with this particular hormone, how do we get more of it? Practice exercise, right? Doesn't even have to be super strenuous, just has to be a workout. But what else? Laugh more. Friday night, I watched a Netflix, uh, like a stand-up comedy special on Netflix. And it was one of the first times in a very long time I've actually laughed out loud at the television. It immediately releases endorphins. And guys, the, the fun part about endorphins uh, specifically is that if you are laughing, you can't be afraid. Like those are two completely diametrically opposed hormones. So if I've chosen the laughing one, I can't experience the pain or the hurt one. And not that I was like in a melancholy shitty state on Friday, but I right, like why not experience endorphins if you can. So if you're in one of those moods, This is the quick fix. This is the way you do it, right? You get your body moving. Even if you live in Ohio, you go out walking for 90 minutes. You get more endorphins that way. Be a little bit selfish. Do something you enjoy. Laugh more, move more. Next one, dopamine. This is the quick hit. This is the one we kind of, we love to hate, okay? Dopamine, dopamine is the drug. Dopamine is heroin. Dopamine is opiates. Okay. Dopamine is the sense of elation and ecstasy we get when we find something we're looking for. Okay. When we get what we want, when we accomplish something. Okay. It is a quick hit. I 
That's, that's the theme of dopamine. It's not long lasting. It's literally like an injection of inspiration. Okay. What people don't realize is that it is a big part of our unique human ability to think and plan. Let me explain. So this hormone also comes from evolution, right? Because if our caveman ancestors were going through this feast and famine, right? Nobody wants to go hunt, right? Just as a lot of us, right? I'm super comfortable right now. I don't want to go train, right? Mother nature designed this thing inside of us to keep us focused on the task at hand, right? So it has designed quick little triggers, quick little fuses that go off in our brain as frequently as we need them to, in order to get us to the longer term goal. All right. See the connection, right? So So if let's say our caveman ancestors saw a deer or a tiger or whatever animal was around back then, seeing that, boom, would give them the quick hit of dopamine to say, okay, it's good to continue, right? If you're running a marathon, uh, I've heard that like the mile eight or mile 11 marker, boom, you get like another, another dopamine hit, another quick hit, right? Whenever you and I are setting goals, right? I don't ask you to follow your macros all seven days the first week of the program. No, I set the goal of you doing three days so that as soon as you hit that third day, boom, the dopamine goes off again. Okay, progress, right? I want you progress, not perfection. Why? Because dopamine, so that you can continue the hunt. Because if you get excited for yourself and I get excited for you and you pat yourself on the back after three days of following macros, it's going to be hella easier for you to get to that fourth and fifth day. You will be incentivized to get that fifth and sixth day because hitting that third day felt so good, right? You got a little bit high. Hell yeah. I did so well, right? Same thing with working out. If you went from zero to one day, hey, we throw you a little party, right? Because I want you to get that second day and then eventually that third day also. So we have dopamine to to set little goals, to light little fires, to eventually get to the the big spark. So how do we get more? Well, obviously drugs and food. <laughs> End of presentation. No, I'm just kidding, right? These are the these are the obvious choices, right? Again, if you're hungry and you eat, you get that little dopamine high, right? This is one of the reasons people develop uh, compulsive eating habits because they have nothing else to fill the void of joy except food, right? This is not a good thing. Okay, so we have to make a list. This is one of the reasons I'm so big on you guys setting three goals each week, because as soon as you accomplish one of those goals and then the next one and the next one, the receptors, the same receptors you could use to you could use alcohol, drugs, food, sex, whatever to fill. I'm having you fill with productive habits. Because again, when you accomplish them, you get the same spark as the caveman seeing the tiger of the person eating the food, right? So give yourself lots of specific things to reward yourself with instead of abstract rewards, right? When the dopamine system works as designed, we stay well-fed, we get our work done, we make progress, 
which also means we are better able to support and provide for those in our family or our little tribe, which what? Increases more dopamine because we're hitting lots of little goals. Caution, social media. Okay, right? This is why for a lot of you, I set the intention, right? Your first goal was to unfollow people on social media right? Or, or decrease the amount of time you spend on social media, because just like food and sex and alcohol and drugs, dopamine is addictive. Social media is addictive. The more you do something, the more your brain's neurons create and solidify those connections, right? I'm sure you guys have heard, I'm not the first person to say this, the social media is addictive, right? But it's not, not saying in like a cute way. I'm saying it in like a neurologically damaging way. Okay. Right. Cocaine, nicotine, gambling, Instagram, scrolling, TikTok, deep dives. They are all the same level of not very good for you. Okay. So in the last 20 or so years, right. Since let's say the advent of Facebook, right. We have associated that dopamine releasing feeling of, ah, excitement with texting and emailing, right. As soon as a notification pops up, who is it? Who cares who it is, right? They can probably wait, okay? But that's a new neural connection that we are establishing. And the more we look at our phones every time a notification pops up, the more we will look at our phones every time the notification pops up. So this is the one caution about dopamine. Again, right? Everything, nothing is either good or bad. It's how you use it. It's what power you give it. So there's nothing wrong with being on social media, but how frequently are you on social media? What is it doing to your brain? Are you aware of it? Next one, serotonin. I love this one. I love this one. This is, this is the attaboy hormone, okay? We inherently want to feel that the work we do is valued by other people. We like feeling significant. And that's not a narcissistic thing. It's not like, yes, Jamie. No, it's, yes, Jamie, thank you for bringing your piece of the puzzle to the group work because without your piece, the whole would not have been able to be done. So I'm one player on the starting lineup, right? Serotonin is the key hormone that stabilizes our mood feelings of well-being and happiness, okay? It's released in public during award ceremony, maybe company recognition plaque, graduation, right? Uh, all of that stuff, all of that stuff where you're recognized in public, okay? It's serotonin is the result of doing something in the presence of someone else, but the other good thing around is, remember, so if I'm like one quarter of a, a university, whatever, like study group. Okay. And I bring my quarter to it. When I, when I finish my puzzle piece and it all comes together, the other three people feel really good too. Right. Cause they were relying on my piece and I contributed right. When, when the old caveman, right. Beat the deer and then brought it back. And then that was like their piece. And then the women are so happy because now they can do, oh my God, I'm so unfeminist and sexist, but I'm just assuming. So the women cook the deer and now everyone's happy because everyone's contributing. So serotonin is like this giant force field bubble 
whereby when you do something for the greater good, the greater good feels awesome. Okay. That's why this chemical is so important and stabilizing because you get to share it with others. So as opposed to endorphins and dopamine, right? Megan crosses the finish line of a half marathon. Megan feels great. She's got the runner's high. I am looking at Megan's face. I do not feel great for Megan. All right. She is the only one experiencing her runner's high. Same thing with dopamine, right? Uh, Katerina accomplished her goal, right? Crushed her macros this week. I can be happy for her, but I am not experiencing that same sense of elation she is experiencing. Serotonin, we all get, okay? It is the selfless sharing, caring hormone. Why do we have it? Again, because it helps contribute to that sense of community. It helps us feel like we're a part of the tribe. No man is an island. It helps us feel that we are significant, that we have purpose, okay? Because tribe, because network, because family, right? Even marathon winners don't cross the finish line alone, right? Not everyone is on their own little race. They come in as like a a whole group. It's symbiotic. So how do we get more? We do more good. We do more good things that make other people happy. It is that easy. Become a humble servant, right? Get into an industry, whether it's a volunteer position or your actual career where you solve problems for other people, right? Be the cave person that slays the lion for significance in order to feed your tribe. Do good work as frequently as you can. And then finally, oxytocin the cuddling hormone. Okay. So it's known as the cuddle hormone or the love hormone because it's released when, when snuggling or bonding socially. This is another collection of selfless hormones because it's about being in the physical presence of others, right? You need at least one other person, uh, also, or puppy, uh, in the room to release oxytocin. Now, typically, Women are lucky. We have higher levels of oxytocin than men, right? It's why we enjoy physical touch so much. It is funny enough, a key hormone involved in lactation and childbirth. Why? Because you're like physically connected to another human, right? So our bodies have primed us to get ready so that we bond with our child. Okay. So why do we have it? Because trust. Okay. So As an adult, I cannot um, put my head against your chest in order to feel comfortable with you, right? Like a child and its mother. But what I can do is shake your hand when we first meet, right? And what happens if you give me a dead fish handshake? Or what happens if your hands are cold, right? There's something, ah, I don't know if I trust you. I don't know what my first impression is of you, right? So if we touch someone, right? Or someone gives us a hug and it's, right? We've all experienced that, okay? Something goes off in our little caveman perspective where you're like, I'm going to need another go at this person. I don't know how I feel about being in the physical presence of this person. So why do we have it? Because it lets us know who we should trust and who we shouldn't. So interesting, right? There are, again, some people where you just, they don't even reach out their hand. Oh my God. What kind of human being doesn't want more oxytocin? Again, that lack of it now makes me distrust them. So 
As a species, right, we all know we can accomplish more in groups than individuals. Therefore, it is important for us to have this spidey sense of kinship in order for us to know who to trust and who not to trust. So how do we get more of it? Okay, touch your pod, okay? Hug your family, hug your friends when you see them, shake a new, shake someone's hand for the first time, all right? I, this is bonding for me. This is my version of oxytocin. I can't feel you guys, but I feel our energy. I love this. I choose to spend my Sunday mornings with you. I feel bonded and connected, okay? Now, the other thing, and like I mentioned before, you can pet a dog. You can pet a cat. Animals have this inherent bonding sense of oxytocin, right? It's another one of the reasons that so many pets were adopted over the two years that, that COVID was rampant, because we needed kinship and bonding. We needed to hold and touch someone, right? So, uh, Touch people, don't rest your head against their chest. That's weird. Uh, get a dog, shake hands. Okay, so either way, this fourth element of the happy hormone series is one that should not be neglected. We were not designed to be individual entities. Go get yourself a hug. Takeaways from this presentation, because it's a lot. EDSO, laugh and move more. Make a to-do list and check them off. Do things that serve others and contribute to the betterment of the tribe. Hug more, shake more hands, get a puppy. And that's your Monday morning mindset shift. I appreciate you listening. If you loved what you heard, subscribe, like, share, and tag me in stories about this podcast. I'll share back. Until next time, the glass is always half full, my friends.